0: Thank you, Bobby. <clears throat> Take your Bibles and uh, turn to Genesis chapter six. Genesis chapter six, and uh, Genesis chapter six, and we're gonna uh, <clears throat> we're gonna look at kind of part one of a two part deal on Noah. Because um, we're gonna talk about Noah, but we're kind of really not gonna talk about Noah tonight, okay? Um, we 're going to kind of use Noah as a jumping off place for um, another thing so this is uh, this is <clears throat> old time religion so the the whole uh, purpose of this series is really to kind of help understand and build a framework for understanding the Old Testament um, and we 're going to kind of continue a part of the discussion on noah we 're going to pick up Noah how he relates to the rest of the story um, we 're going to kind of finish it in two parts in two weeks okay so but tonight 's going to definitely stand on its own. Um, Genesis chapter six and seven are the, is the story of <clears throat> is the Old Testament account of, of Noah and God's interaction with Noah uh, <clears throat> and um, we don't know how many we don't know how many exactly how many years um, how many years into creation um, this is okay but in the within the scheme line of, you know, within the, the scheme of eternity it's not very far um, and within the scheme of the story of of the scriptures and of redemptive history, it's not very far at all. Um, so we're just six chapters into the book of Genesis and things are not going well. Adam and Eve have been expelled from the garden. They rebelled against God's commands uh, and <clears throat> they broke their relationship with him. So God established Adam and Eve. Last week we talked about Adam um, and Adam's role as his representative, representative uh, for all mankind and that <clears throat> Adam was God's man and God's, um, God's garden um, for God's time. He had a special relationship uh, with God, and that relationship was compromised, broken when he, when he rebelled against God, and, and so um, from that <clears throat> come uh, Cain and Abel, um, and the curse. There's an introduction of the curse in Genesis chapter three, and the curse kind of continues. And so um, the curse is really the main story, uh, the main character, so to speak. It's the it's the common thread that's that's woven in between the first um, the first several chapters of the Bible, and so it's kind of um, the, the, the curse kind of rises to the top as the, as the dominant force leading up to Genesis chapter 6. When you look at Genesis chapter 6, um, it's not a pretty picture. If you read in verse 1, it says, When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. And Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, but in his flesh his days shall be 120 years. And then um, you skip down to verse five. it says, "The Lord saw that the w- saw the wickedness of man was great on earth." Okay. What had begun as a very, very intentional, uh, v- very intentional, very good creation of man and woman in a very complementary relationship in a very special place for a very unique purpose, had, had really devolved into chaos. Okay. It devolved into chaos. It says that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Read that sentence again. And we're going to put it up. Can we put up verse uh, verse 5, Cameron, on the screen? Verse 5 on the screen. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that the every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do we lose the feed? Did you lose it? Genesis chapter six, verse five. If you can, if you can yeah. so every aspect of of man's heart was completely corrupt all the time, right? And and so this is the this is kind of the uh, this is kind of the author of Genesis kind of peels back the kind of peels back the onion, so to speak, and we look into the center of creation, and and it's uh, and it's chaos and it's not good. Verse six says. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Because here was man, his crowning achievement, right? His, his handiwork, the crowning achievement, created in the image of God, right? And the image and the reflection and, and impressed upon him were some of God's very own attributes. God's fingerprints are all over man, and this is the crown jewel of his masterpiece work in and in, in verse six, it says he was sorry that he made him, and it grieved his heart. And so the Lord said, "I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the, la- of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am, for I am sorry that I have made them." But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so, what um, if you read on through through all of chapter six, you'll see that <clears throat> um, that all of creation is destroyed, with the exception of Noah um, and. In um, all, in all the animals, okay, not well, not all the animals. Two of each one of each kind of animals, and then several more of, of different kinds of animals. Um, but but they're they're all preserved. Okay? Um, and 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 it really begins, okay, this this whole idea, this whole this whole concept of creation, judgment, and then recreation, is really already established in in. In Genesis chapter 6, that God's going to create something special. He's going to judge it through, through the flood and through, <clears throat> um, and through the, the destruction, the decreation of all that he's created, and then he's going to recreate it. And that's the story. So, so you, you, you probably, maybe if you've been around church at all, you know the story, Noah, right? He gets, Or maybe you've seen the movie, um, Noah, <clears throat> right? He, he builds this ark, builds this huge ark. It's very likely that it had never rained um, on planet Earth before that time. Um, and so he builds an ark in the middle of a desert, and, um, <clears throat> and so he was made fun of. He was ridiculed, um, but he was obedient to the Lord. The Lord called him to do it. Um, and then <clears throat> um, all these animals, like Noah, God supernaturally kind of brings these animals. Noah rounds them up. And I, don't, I don't know if it was just like the movie or not. But um, so they, they go, <clears throat> and they get all these supplies, and they gather in his family, they kind of all worked together, and it really, um, really, just really had to be a very weird, surreal people. But then one day, you know, he says, it's going to rain, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. One day, the waters come. The waters come. And uh, just like today, right? But it doesn't stop. The rain doesn't stop. And, And the Bible says that the ground opened up, and water comes from the ground. It comes from the heavens, and it begins to fill up. And people begin to panic, and they start to go towards the high places, and they go up on roofs of buildings, and they start to climb up mountainsides, and they start to try to escape the waters, and they start to, they start to try to flee to this ark, right? That They'd once ridiculed Noah for making, and um, <clears throat> and so Noah is in there with his family and all these animals, um, and, and you, you can just imagine, he had to have heard people pounding, right, on the side of that boat. Let us in. Let us in. And scream out. And these are people that, these are neighbors, right? They're friends. They're relatives. These are people that are close associates. These are pe- people they have long-term relationships with. Um, <clears throat> and, and the Lord had promised to destroy all of it. And he did. He did. I can't tell you all the specifics. Um, there's some debate. You have to know, okay, that there's some scholarly, there's some debate among, like, scholars. I don't want you to be surprised with this when you go to your freshman. Um, you know, world civ class or whatever at UTE or wherever you go, um, there's some debate as to whether it was a localized flood and, like, and it flooded all of the like, you know, the small part of the earth that had been inhabited up until that point or whether the entire world was flooded. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me. I, don't, like, I think the Bible says the whole world was flooded, so I think the whole world was flooded. But if it was just the whole known world, that doesn't matter to me too because God destroyed everything in every one, and all the animals. And, and he, re, he chose to re, kind of recreate things through this one family. Through one family. And that's a, that's a theme that you see over and over and over in the Old Testament, um, is that God's going to create, judge, decreate, and create again. Um, but it's one thing to see it in the Old Testament. It's another thing to see it in our own lives and in our own hearts. <clears throat> um, so you can imagine that Noah and his family... You know, there's there there's there's a, a simultaneous reaction from them that was probably pretty difficult to process, because here they were in this little village, um, <clears throat> and they've grown up around all these people, and they've got friends, and and Noah had, had sons and their wives, and they had kids, and um, and so their kids, so their children, right? <clears throat> um, you walk through like different churches, and almost every church, like has some kind of like, and our church has like some kind of mural on the wall, and those of you that remember growing up at the old building downtown, you get the old building, there's different, like, Bible stories depicted upon the walls, right, right? and sometimes you see, like, sometimes there'll be Noah's Ark, and it's like this beautiful kind of pasture, and Noah's Ark sitting there, and all the animals are kind of coming in, they don't ever really picture how it really probably was, like, I've never been to, like, a children's, um, <clears throat> like, a children's wing, where, you know, the water's already risen, and there's houses, and like dead cows and goats and rams floating, and there's dead bodies and there's bodies of children, right, floating in the water, and it's just, it's destruction. It's judgment. That's what it is. It's judgment on sin. And so there's probably this simultaneous, right, inside the ark, there's a simultaneous sense of kind of vindication. They, they experienced ridicule for so long, and they'd been judged for so long by people, and they have been preaching um, the gospel, and they'd been preaching and telling people to repent of their sin and telling people to repent of their sin and believe and trust in God and trust in God and trust in God, and that God called them to build this ark and all that stuff, and now there's a sense of vindication, but these are their friends. Right? These are their neighbors. These are people they had histories with. These were their um, you know, children that their grandchildren played with, and so it, it probably really hurt. And, and events like that to, to Noah and to his family, events like what happened, you know, in Boston, right? <clears throat> and, and, and something that happened in Boston, it caused us to ask some big questions in life. And sometimes not even just, not even things, sometimes it's not even people that we don't know and people that we don't know. sometimes it's within our own heart. Sometimes it's people that are really near and dear to us. Sometimes tragedy strikes us. Um, <clears throat> when I was... Uh, When when over spring break, um, over spring break, uh, a good friend of mine died. His name was Matt Weeks. Um, And can you hey can you Cameron can you put the picture up the first picture of Matt with his family? I want to this one with him and his wife and his children. This is Matt on the left. Matt's a friend of mine. He was 33, and his wife's name was Heather. And then Anna Claire and and um, and Weston and Wyatt. are his two boys' names, and uh, they, <clears throat> so that's, that's the, the Weeks family, you can leave that picture up for just a second, uh, Matt and I were friends in, um, in graduate school, and we served on church staff together, we were next, basically, not next door neighbors, but we lived very close to each other, and uh, when we, were first start, we both were, were very newly married, um, very poor, no, really no money, we would, we would walk about once every two or three weeks, we would save up enough money to walk to uh, the Barrel of Fun, which is literally this huge, this giant barrel that they sold like soft serve ice cream out of in this little neighborhood park um, where we lived in Louisville. And we would walk with our wives and we, about every two or three weeks in the summertime, we could afford, um, spend about $8 on some ice cream. okay? And uh, so, we were, so we were going to school and, and <clears throat> things were just really, really tight. And so that's, <clears throat> that's Matt. And in, in um, November... In the late November, early December, Matt was diagnosed with a, a, a fairly rare form of cancer, an aggressive form of cancer, and, um, and, and it wasn't good. The prognosis wasn't good. The cancer had spread to several of his organs, and, um, and he, was, he, was, uh, he was already beginning to have some pain. Um, but the next picture I'll show you, so I went down in January, and this is, uh, this is the third week of January, and Matt is, uh, there's three guys in blue shirts, I'm the one on the left, and then the Bright blue, kind of Florida gator. He's a, he went to the University of Florida, Matt did, so um, you can't see if that's a Florida gator shirt. That's him there. We played 18 holes of golf at the Omni Resort in Orlando and, uh, and had a great time. <clears throat> and I mean, we, we were together all day long. And we, I mean, we had ice cream, we went, to, um, we went to Chili's, and we played with his kids, and there's some guys that we all served on, a, on church staff together in Louisville with and that was, uh, it was mid to late January was, the, was actually that was my birthday that was January 25th that was my birthday um, we, we did that for and, uh, and had a really great time <clears throat> and then um, and then the, the second week of April um, this is Matt the second week of April um, and this is the next picture so Matt's the um, second one from the left uh, obviously and uh, he had lost a lot of weight. And his skin color, you can't tell there, but his skin color is really, really yellow. His kidneys begin to shut down. And, uh, <clears throat> and that's uh, one of my mentors and two of the other guys that you saw in the previous picture. And this was, this was the Thursday before our spring break. Okay, so our Haiti team was leaving. Our Haiti and New York team was leaving on Saturday. And I, I just couldn't get back down to Orlando. I couldn't figure out. I couldn't get a, fi- a flight to, to fly down there and meet him on Thursday and to, and to fly back in time to, to lead our meetings um, Friday evening, <clears throat> and uh, and so that was Matt on Thursday, and he died the next Thursday, and he and I spoke for the last time um, on Saturday from the airport in Atlanta, the parking lot we spoke for the last time, and uh, and so he passed away the Thursday of of our spring break, <clears throat> and so um, that was the week before Easter. If you remember, that was the week before Easter, and so many, if not all, of Matt's really close friends were were like myself, they're pastors. Um, and and we couldn't we couldn't do a, a proper funeral service and memorial service for us for him. They held one at his church for his family. You can take that picture down, Cameron, if you don't mind. Um, <clears throat> they uh, so we did a, a funeral memorial service for Matt um, this this yesterday on Tuesday. Yesterday, Monday and Tuesday, I, I was in Orlando for a conference that we were all. Um, Matt actually received the lifetime achievement award. That was that picture that you saw, the last one, uh, the guy on the left presented Matt with a, a Lifetime Achievement Award from um, the Student Leadership University. Jay Strack and Brent Crow were there that day, and they presented him with a Lifetime Achievement Award, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and they filmed it because it became apparent that Matt wasn't going to make it until this last weekend, and so they, <clears throat> they did that. I'll tell you all of that to say that I stood with around, you know, 40 or 50 guys um, on t- yesterday on Tuesday, and we watched Matt receive that award posthumously via video. And we went to his gravesite, <clears throat> um, and his children were there, and his wife was there, and met many of our families, and this is a kind of a large extended family of guys, uh, kind of a band of brothers, really, that have done ministry and life together at a certain time, and now we're all over the world. <clears throat> and... Uh, it didn't feel fair, right? And and there are times in life when when we experience unspeakable grief. It's just unfathomable. It's just it's to, it's to the point, and, and it's going to happen to every single one of us. If it hasn't already happened to you, it's it's going to happen. Right? And as as a pastor, sometimes it sometimes. It's difficult because we, you know, I have things like this happen, right, my friend. But, but I I walk with some of you through some some very similar circumstances, and some of the just just the toxic sludge of of ministry and life, and and the 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 grief and the despair sometimes can be overwhelming because it's not just death; it's the ugliness of Genesis six. It's it's the the violence, right? It's the um, it's the parents that come to me, and the and the young young married couples that come to me that have, that are products for our ministry. They're they're in um, in abusive relationships. It's the young girls that uh, that are that are raped. Right? It's the young guys that are battling uh, um, un- unbelievably complex addictions to pornography and and to other things. It's just the, the, the lifetime of emotional abuse caused by different substances and alcohol and drugs and different chemicals within families that just ruin family. It's, it's marriages, right? Once strong, healthy, um, Christ-centered marriages that fall apart. Okay. And, and Romans 8 tells us that God takes all things and works them together for the good of those who love him, and are called according to his purposes. And that's true. It's absolutely true. That's sometimes taken out of context. And, and sometimes when we walk through these, these periods and these times of, of, of just unbelievable grief and overwhelming grief, um, people will come up to us and say, man, God, man, there's, there's good that's going to come out of this, right? There's I mean, there's, there's so many great things that are going to come out of Matt's life and Matt's legacy. Um, and that may be true, but I don't know that it necessarily always is. The curse in Genesis three and the curse in Genesis six is real, and there's a reason it's a curse. It's because it doesn't produce good things. Can God take good from it? Absolutely, but it does It's not inherently good. And 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 that's talking about death. Look, there's all these other things, right? Like rape and and like 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 just all this, like rape and abuse and neglect and and um and addiction and 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 just all the hurt, like, collective hurt, like, we I mean, we could just listen, and we could feel page after page after page after page um, And those things aren't good. It's all, it's all a product of the curse. It's all an effect of the curse. It's all, every, all of those things, it's all because of sin. And people don't, like, people don't become unrated. right? And people don't get undivorced most of the time. People don't get unabused. Hurtful things, like those words don't, like you don't get to take those back. But you do get redeemed, don't we? We can be redeemed, can't we? And, you know, all those things are almost all, you know, all all those things are almost all um, irreversible Except for what happened to my friend Matt. Because we do get undead. We do. We do get undead. If you, take, if you go all the way to the end of the story, right, and what Noah was really talking about, like the promises of God, and you believe and you trust in the promises of God, we do get undead. After Jesus comes back and comes back out of, the, out of heaven, right, in a robe drenched with blood, dripped with blood, and he, he comes back riding on that horse. And he comes back with all the believers from, from the past. And And the Bible says this. <clears> this <throat> um. <laughs> is incredible. We get undead. The Bible says that, that the sea, right, the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they'd done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them. That, that like when I stood around that grave yesterday, right. when I stood around that grave, that if you go to that point in the future when Jesus returns, Matt's body gonna, he's going to rise up. Right? He's going to rise up out of the ground, but he's, but he's going to rise up in a new incorruptible body. He's going to be ultimately redeemed, ultimately restored. And this is what Noah was believing in all the way back in Genesis chapter 6. all the way back in Genesis chapter 6. This is what Noah's believing in. Listen, <clears throat> um, it's okay to grieve. There's going to be times, right? there's going to be times in your life where the grief is just unbearable. It's literally unbearable. Like, you, you literally can't physically stand up underneath it. And the world's going to offer you a lot of different ways to deal with it. And a lot of different ways to medicate it. And a lot of different ways to try to numb the pain. And a lot of different things to try to do. And let me just tell you. Okay, you can try all that all you want. But in the end, there's only one way to stand up under that. Like, you don't, you, you, you can't stand up under that kind of grief. The only thing you can do is cling to Jesus. The only thing you can do is look to the cross. You look to the cross and you know, right? You know that Jesus came and Jesus gave up more than we'll ever be called to give up. He gave up authority, position, power, status in heaven and he takes on the limitations of the flesh. He took on the limitations of the flesh And he was born in a stable by a virgin as an infant. And he humbled himself completely to the point of of being made in human likeness. And he experienced grief. And his friends passed away, too. And And he saw hurt and damage and brokenness all around him. And he experienced it just the way you and I did. But when he went to the cross, when he went to the cross, he went, there, he went there on a mission. He went there on a mission to make a way, to create a way so that all of us, one day, one day a way for, to, to, to mend our broken hearts. to settle the score, the cosmic score, once and for all, that he's going to go do battle with Satan, with the evil one, and he was going to win, and he was going to deal the final crushing blow to death that day, and it meant him being separated from the Father for the first time ever, and experiencing sin and shame and guilt that was not his own, but ours ours. But when God raised himself from the dead, right, when Jesus raises himself from the dead, right, then, then it takes on a whole, like, his ability to represent us and to identify with us takes on a whole new meaning, right. because he holds the trump card now, right. he holds the trump card now, and, and, and Christ, Christ becomes the one that we can look to and we can lean on him. We can trust on him. and We can believe in the gospel. Listen, <clears throat> when, when these waves of grief, when these, when these life events happen to you, you better have your eschatology straight. Eschatology is the, the theology of what you believe in the end times, how it's all going to play out. You better have your es- You better know what you believe, how, how this is all going to go down in the end, because that's all you've got. And for about the last two and a half, three weeks, the only thing I've had, Revelation 19, 20, and 21. One day, one day, I don't have to worry about settling the score because God's going to settle the score for us. He's going he's to level the playing field. He's going to make off. He's, he, he, he's going to judge the living and the dead. Right? And my contentment and my righteousness and my eternal security is found in me, me clinging to Jesus. Me clinging to Jesus. Okay? Um, so here's what I want you to do. We're gonna. Um, the guys are gonna come up and sing, and uh, and I just want you. To, <clears throat> I want you to ask yourself, you know, one question: Am I today? Am I believing the gospel today? And there's a, there's a huge difference. You may be a Christian. You may be. And you may. Have, there may be a, have been a point in your life, and one time there's a point in your life where you believe the gospel, you trust it in faith, you became a Christian, and you were signed, sealed. And you're, you're a believer. But you can be a believer in Christ and not be believing and trusting in the gospel today. I'm not saying that you're not saved, right? I'm saying you're not believing and trusting in the gospel. You're, you're, you're creating some other mechanism, some other thing that has your your trust and your hope. And that if life were to hit you um, like a ton of bricks, like you did on me that that Thursday, if you get that phone call, you get that text message, all the grief and all the hurt and all the... All that that overwhelms you're trusting in something else today and not in the gospel. Evaluate where you are. Some of you, are you trusting? Is there ever been a time where you created, where where you've you've examined all the things that you can, all the things that you can see, all the things you can uh, understand, and you've considered all of life's big questions? And have you have you ever? Trusted in Christ. Have you ever have you ever <clears throat> given over complete control of your entire life to Him? I want to challenge you to, to do that. Maybe you have some questions. We'd love to talk with you afterwards. I love some guys that are loved here. The guys are going to come and play just for a few minutes. I'm not going to drag it out. I'm not going to ask you to do anything you don't want to do or sacrifice any animals or anything like that. I just want to ask you: Am I trusting in Jesus today? Am I trusting in Jesus today? Let me just encourage you, man. It is so worth it. It is so absolutely worth it. God is good. And trust in Jesus. Father in heaven. God, we thank you for... Um, <clears throat> we thank you that all the way, even back in Genesis chapter 3, in Adam and Eve's rebellion, and God, that you, you created a way. And you began to weave a story Together of redemption for us. God, I thank you for the obedience of Noah that you that, God, the obedience that you saw in him, the faith that you saw in him, that you rewarded in him. God, I thank you that you loved your creation enough to destroy it, to decreate it, and to start over again from one man and one. Family based on his faith in the Messiah, and because of the obedience of Noah, we can look backwards on the cross of Jesus Christ, and we can look forward to the coming resurrection, and we can look forward to the resurrection of the dead, with the full knowledge that one day we'll see loved ones again who have trusted in Christ. The bodies who are once made weak with the with the with the, the the forces and the powers of evil in this age, there's an age to come, God, which those bodies will be restored and redeemed and made new. God, represented in this room today are so many layers of hurt and doubt and fear and struggle and sin. God, I pray in a supernatural way that you send your Holy Spirit to speak uniquely and specifically to every heart and every mind and every student here. And I pray God that you would inspire us and that you would convict us to trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ today. That we'd believe and apply the gospel to our own problems and to our own hurts, and our own insecurities today. God, for, for maybe the few students here today who are not believers in Jesus, who aren't, who aren't Christians, God, I pray that you would break down the stumbling block of their own pride, their own insecurity, their own disbelief. And God, I pray that you would speak directly and uniquely to the heart. Confirm in their mind the truth of the gospel. I pray that you would reward their faith with the assurance of salvation. But I pray that you would shine your bright gospel light into the darkest corners of our hearts. And that we'd repent of sin and the areas in which we failed to follow you completely tonight. We thank you for the goodness of Jesus. The hope that's found in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.